today, we are going to talk about Cal's offensive line. We're going to go over what went wrong and uh, why I think there were some issues, why I think it was a good move reorganizing that offensive line side. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider Bear Insider Podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Golden Bears. And today, I am back. I took a little time off after that uh, moderately uh, tough season for the Bears this year. And so, I am back. We are going to talk about, you guys have heard me talk about it all season long. And I had a bunch of people ask me about my thoughts on the team. And I was a little hard on the big guys up front. And as a quarterback, those are my favorite dudes in the entire world. Every team I played on, my offensive line, are my favorite guys. Uh, And so, being hard on the big guys is a little rough on me. So today, we are going to talk about Cal's offensive line. We're going to go over what went wrong and uh, why I think there were some issues, why I think it was a good move, kind of uh, reorganizing that offensive line side. So we'll take a look at it. First, let's start off. When you're talking about offensive line play, there are three reasons, three main reasons, right? There's a bunch of little reasons, just like anything else. But there are three main reasons that your offensive line is going to struggle. It's going to have problems. First and foremost, technique issues. The individual player having technique issues with a false step with their foot, bad stance, bad hand placement, all those little technique things uh, that you have to master. And young players are going to have more issues with technique than older players. But technique is a big deal. And so that's the first. Second is in coaching. Now that Coaching, this can go two ways. If they are not coaching proper technique, if they are not teaching the players what they need to know, then it puts that player in a bad position with technique. And then if a player is doing something that is not proper technique, as a coach, you have to lay it down that they need to work your techniques and make them do what you want. And so one way or the other, if there's bad technique, and it continues, then it's also bad coaching, in my opinion. And so those two go together. The next one also goes together with bad coaching, and that is bad scheme. Putting your guys in a bad position, putting your guys at a disadvantage, asking them to do things that are unreasonable. That's bad scheme. And in my opinion, that is also in that kind of not the best coaching box to me. So we saw a little bit of all of that this year for the Bears. I want to go over that right now. I'm going to take a look at some film. So this is going to be a video-heavy podcast today. I want you guys to see what I'm talking about. I would like to be fair to those big guys. Uh, but I also want to point out at home, this is, this is what was going on with the offensive line. So getting a change there, I think, is going to – it always injects new blood, new energy, all of that. And so having a change of that offensive line position for the coaching staff, I think, is going to be good. I'm not going to name names in the film. You guys are free to take from it whatever you want. But let's take a look at the film, and I'll talk about all three things that happened. The majority of the film that we're going to look at today is coming from that Colorado game uh, because that was the low point for me as I watch it. And and remember, I watch every single snap uh, on film. I watch it live. I talk about it live. But then I review the film afterwards just to make sure that my opinions are right. And so that Colorado game was a low point. A lot of them on there that we're going to talk about, and then we'll take a look at a snap from Washington as well. Let's hit the film. So we are going to start... Uh, with the pass play here. And we're going to start on the outside. I want you to keep your vision right here. We're going to get a pressure based on the technique of the player this time. So 
You see the pressure on the outside in Jack Plummer's lap and makes it hard to complete that ball when you've got your left tackle right in front of you. So now let's take a look at why this happened. There's a couple things going on here. And the reason I wanted to choose this clip first is to show you that it's also not always the offensive line. However, in this case, uh, it's a combination of both. One, the offensive lineman uses bad technique. As we go through this play, you'll see initially we have a defensive end on the outside. So here's a guy lined up as a speed rush guy. He looks like he can get this outside edge. Somebody else inside in the gap as a tackle, you got to expect you're going to get this outside rush. But you also have to be prepared to take away that inside. So that's one. Two, you have to be ready to move your feet and to keep your width, to maintain your lane. You'll watch as we move this along here, you get two kick slides, and then this next step is the fateful step. You can see that the left tackle feels like the defensive end has declared that he's coming up field. And so what you're going to see is this foot drop in the bucket. He's going to give up that outside shoulder to make sure that he can keep that outside rush, the upfield rush, from getting back to the quarterback. What that does is it shortens the edge. It turns his hips and his shoulders inside. And now, from that position, he doesn't have any power. So when the defensive end turns and bull rushes into him, and it's a littler guy, much smaller guy on that defensive end, he gets pressure and pushes him back. Ideally, and again, I was not an offensive lineman. I did not play one on TV, but I have seen this coached a million times. I've talked to a bunch of tackles about this. Ideally, you keep your width in your stance. So you create that outside edge. You want to take away that inside hip, but you have to keep that width in your stance. You don't want to turn until it's absolutely necessary at the final moments. And so there's a magic to this. One of the other things is that the, the guy we have playing left tackle here is naturally a guard. And so as we watch you're going to see that left foot. You see the shoulders opening there. You see a narrow stance, and that is a bad place to be when the defensive end turns and decides to bull rush into you. And so now, as he puts his hands on him, you can see the angle has completely changed. Shoulders, hips inside. He's got the edge, and he's pushing. And so our tackle cannot use his leverage, cannot use his weight effectively because he's at a bad angle. He's got a narrow base, and he's getting pushed. So that's bad technique out there at tackle, and he ends up getting pushed right into Jack Plummer. You can see his Plummer's looking to throw. Um, tough duty for a QB. Now, let's talk about another part of the reason why this happens. We have what's called a snag route on here. And so in snag, you're going to get a corner, in this case a quick sail route, a sit, and a flat route. This is, everybody in football uses this play called snag. And so, as a quarterback, you need to read this one of three ways. The tailback's coming out of the backfield. So, I assume they have Jack Plummer reading this as number one on the sit, number two on the corner, number three to the flat. With that read, as a quarterback, you should get a little bit of depth in your drop. You want to get you know, a full three back here and get eight plus yards if you can in your drop. Plummer, and it could be an accumulation of 
you know, having been hit, having been sacked a few times, getting pressures during the season, but he is really, really quick with his feet. And so the only reason that you want to be super quick with your feet is if you are going one, two, so one, two, and then three on your read, because if I'm going to hit the flat, I'm going to hit it right now. However, that doesn't look like where his eyes took him. And we'll take a look at the end zone in a second. You'll see him get really short in his drop. Starts at the 32 and ends up on the 30 with his back. So he he doesn't even get, gets about a two-yard drop with three steps. And he's holding the ball. And so he feels pressure because he's holding it so quickly. And it looks to me like he is looking inside here first. And then he's going to break to that. And so if I'm a quarterback and I see this pre-snap, I'm thinking I've either got man because I've got to do down low, got man over, man over, or some kind of zone because the backers look like they're playing some kind of zone. Uh, and so I know I'm going to have to high low somebody. As soon as this route comes in and the backer grabs him, that flat should be there and then read that last. So his feet are very quick. Plummer feels very hurried as a result. You can see both backers flowed this way. And so as a quarterback, and I know we're getting a little deep, what you need to do is read it based on where your underneath coverage is flowing. Plummer was looking to come here. He doesn't love it. He should be here and know that he's potentially got leverage on this corner right now. Next, but he is so short that he already feels hurried. And so he's trying to get rid of that ball. Doesn't feel comfortable. Having a tackle on your lap doesn't help. So bad technique, not just by the tackle, but also by the quarterback. A little bit of depth would have helped that drop. So here's the next play. This is called a wing G, a G, outside gap play. Any of those all qualify. And what they're trying to do is clear a gap and get pullers out in front to lead to clear for that. So anytime you have a gap scheme run, it is about taking advantage of one gap. Concepts of gap scheme runs would be counter, power, trap, and of course this outside G. And so what's going to happen is you're going to see both guard and tackle to the side of the play pull to clear that gap. And in order to do that, you have to seal the, the player who is over either the guard or the tackle. In this case, this is really bad scheme or really bad coaching, in my opinion, because what you have is a man who is this is a gap right here, right? So this is C gap. This is a gap right here. This is B gap. And you have a tight end on the outside. It's Jermaine Terry here. That they're asking to come down a gap and a half to make a block on this defensive tackle. This guy is in what's called a four technique. And that would be over numbering inside. I know it's a little technical, but zero, one, a two I or two would be heads up, three on the outside shoulder, four on the inside shoulder, five on the outside shoulder of the tackle. 
And so he is in what you call a four technique. So that puts him a gap and a half inside of your tight end. Because you have both the tackle and the guard pulling, the tight end can't take a flat angle. He has to step a little bit upfield and then block down. Well, at the snap of the ball, this defensive tackle is going to try to get penetration. The running back, coming from the opposite side of the play, is going to come underneath and try to get width in terms of his route. So let's put this all together one time. You're going to get tackle, pulling, kicking, guard pulling, leading up into the hole, back, following their blocks for the outside gap that they're trying to clear, and tight end, trying to seal that block. Secondary tight end will be taking heads up, whose man actually inside of him, so it's good leverage, good position for that block. And the problem here is this block with the tight end puts him in a really, really bad situation. As these guys pull, he cannot get depth, and so he has to step upfield and across. Well, if this defensive tackle gets any penetration whatsoever, he cuts off the lane for the running back, and the running back has to cut it back inside where he has absolutely no blocking. So I'll play this for you here, and we'll see how this works out. So watch as the guard and tackle get out and pull. Boom, tight end takes the angle we talked about. He has to take it down low or else he would knock the guard off of his route. He comes down low, but you're getting penetration here. Now the, the guard tries to help out by putting a hand on the rusher, but you can't slow him down. So Jermaine Terry at the tight end right now is beat. This guy's across his face. He's getting upfield penetration. The back sees that and they react naturally. They're trying to avoid getting tackled. And so in this case, cuts it back to the interior where he doesn't have a lot of help. Now, because he has great physical tools, he actually ends up getting a couple yards on this play. But that's a really bad scheme. And we'll take a look at it from the end zone here, and I'll show you what we're talking about in terms of angles. So you can see your tight end right here. Here's one gap. If the guy's there, he should block him. Here's another half a gap. And this guy is, he's actually less of a two and really more of a gap player. So really hard two eye or a hard, you know, three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard. So that is a really, really difficult assignment for your tight end to get across there, especially since these guys are both pulling uh, and they're going to stay pretty flat in their pull. So he can handle this man, invite him inside, wash him down. But this is the bad idea for the blocking scheme. And so when I say it's a bad scheme, that's that's bad. But I think more maybe bad coaching. I was not in the huddle. I'm not in the meetings every day. I'm not any of that. But right here, they should make a switch call. There's no way the tight end should be trying to go after that man. They should have the, the tackle, block that down, take him in and wash him. And then the tight end and the guard can be your pullers on the play. You do this all the time. In order to get guys out, center can take front side, and now you're clear with your back. You've got a lane, and you still have your two pullers out inside. And so based on alignment here, this block should have been called a switch or some kind of, some kind of call that gets the tackle in position to take that down block and get your tight end out and leading out in front. 
So if they'd have done that, this play would have worked out a lot better for them because they've got numbers on the outside. They've got a lot of Colorado overshifted to the weak side, away from the two tight ends, and it's really well set up. But because they didn't make the right call, they get penetration, and with penetration, you get your back off his line. So in my opinion, that one's a combination of bad scheme, but bad coaching too. And so again, a lot of these things overlap. Bad technique could be a result of bad coaching, not forcing proper technique, not hammering down on these guys about proper technique. But when you put your tight end in a position where they have to block a gap and a half over against a defensive lineman who's naturally going to penetrate and they can't take a good angle, that's not great coaching and it's horrible scheme. And so that's a look at, at that the next play, because they're in third and long, they have to pick something deep. Jack Plummer gets pressured. He throws an interception. And so that's how these things cascade. When you have bad O-line play or a bad scheme or a bad call, then you put yourself in the hole. Defenses can do something different. It creates pressure with the player, makes it way tougher. All kinds of badness happening. So the, the last one I'm going to take a look at, in my opinion, is bad. It's, it's bad scheme, without a doubt. But it's just bad coaching. It's a bad choice of play, and it's really putting your player in a tough position. Uh, it's versus University of Washington, and we'll take a look at that right now. So here it's first and 10, and you have Cal's trying to run play action. And I get it. You're trying to influence the defensive line and get all of these big uglies thinking it's run. They're going to tackle down the run. However, you have to understand that Washington's dudes, who are really, really good, make a living getting up the field and getting after the quarterback. And so you're going to watch their defensive end to the field here with help from a safety, help from a safety over the top. And so he has no – he has outside in terms of contain, but he can also get up the field and rush the passer. Cal is going to run a look off of either inside zone or duo, but it's essentially the same thing in terms of the look, running back running back is going to take a play-action fake, come inside, and they're going to try to take one, two, three, four, five, six guys to block whatever Washington brings. Now, they're in good shape in terms of numbers. You're not seeing blitz. You're not seeing pressure, so they should have enough guys. It's really going to be four on the rush. But what they do is Cal solos up their right tackle against a stud defensive end. And so when you know your guy is outmatched physically, you don't want to leave him alone. You could run this play with a play-action fake and still have your back help and chip out. That way your tackle can overset, try to force that inside rush, and the back's there to help you out. If the tackle knows he has help, you can use that to your advantage by taking leverage. In this case, Cal runs this inside zone look, and the back is late to getting back outside. You can see that tackle is beat right now. He lunged. It was bad technique. Put his hands out there, and that defensive end did a great job of slapping hands away and getting upfield. So defense or offensive tackle almost never touched him. But look at the relationship to where the back is here and where the tackle is. If you understood about their defensive ends and their rush guys, you wouldn't take a chance at letting them get upfield like this. You would 
overset your tackle, force this guy to either take that overset and get washed out of the play or force that defensive end to come back underneath and let your back backfill in that case. So that's really bad scheme. It's really bad coaching. On top of that, off of this play action, you're running a long developing play. So you've got a corner route on the outside or shake route. Like we said, these guys are all staying in the block. You've got an over route coming here, so that takes forever to develop. And then you've got a deep dig on the backside. In the air raid, this would be like 95X cross or something where you tag it with a corner to the outside. But this route takes forever as a quarterback, and you're throwing it into cover four. So it's going to end up man-to-man, but this guy's in good leverage. He's outside. Probably not going to get that corner. This, as your crosser, is going to take a long time as well. And so you progress through this play as a quarterback where you read one to two to three. So this is a long developing play. You have a right tackle soloed up against a speed rush stud defensive end. You have no back help to help out on that. So it's really a bad play design for Cal if you've studied, if you know they're going to rush the passer. And so you're putting your right tackle on an island all by himself, and the result is you get sacked. And so if you're going to run this concept, you need to help that tackle out. I get it. You want to take a shot. You want to run some play action, and you're hoping to influence that defense. And you can see linebackers are influenced. They're going to stop the rush. These guys are going to stop the rush. So you got five inside to stop the rush. But this D-end is coming. This safety is peeking inside to help on run. This safety is peeking inside to help on run. So they're covered. They're good. They've got enough guys to help out in the box, and it frees up this defensive ends to rush. It's a film study thing. It's a game plan thing. It's a scheme thing. But you've got to know that as a play caller, and you've got to call the appropriate play to get your tackle that help. You cannot leave him alone on an island like that because if you do that, this is inevitable. So as you can see, some flaws in technique, some flaws in scheme, and in my opinion, flaws in coaching. If you don't clean it all up, if you don't get the guys doing what you need them to do, then there's an issue in coaching as well. I'm not trying to blame anybody or be a bad dude. Hindsight is always 2020, and it's much easier to call plays in retrospect after you see what happens. So that's not my point. My point is that is where the offensive line struggled this past season. And so being able to correct some of that, I think slimming down the playbook, which is what's going to happen now, is going to be a huge piece of that. Not asking guys to do things that they are incapable of doing. Putting a tackle on an island these days, unless the guy is an absolute stud all-American tackle, is really not highly recommended because defensive ends are so talented, so strong, so fast. And so finding a way to help guys, finding a way to influence defenses is absolutely key. I think in the new style of system, more of that air raid flair to it, more of a college style flair to it, I think you're going to see less assignments, less assignment errors, uh, and asking players to do less, but to do it extremely well. And I think that's a huge benefit for college players. Not asking them to have huge breadth of stuff that they're going to do, 
asking for just a little, but extremely convicted to it, extremely um, well executed in those small spaces. If the Bears do that on offense, they're going to be a lot better off. We will take a look coming up at our new O-line coaches scheme, what they do. We'll talk about the offensive line play for that. We'll also talk about with Spav coming in, kind of the offense that you can expect. We've seen of it. Obviously, we've seen it before um, when Davis Webb was here at quarterback. He's going to bring some new stuff with him as well. So we'll get some interviews set up. We will talk to those guys. We will take a look at the new scheme. But for now, that is what I was talking about during the season. That kind of low line play happened throughout the season. And so it was a little bit rough to watch as a quarterback. And I watched every single snap on film all year long. Uh, there was just a lot of miscues on that offensive line. This year, hopefully they get better. They get personnel. They get bigger, stronger, faster and they improve at that position. For now, I appreciate you guys watching. I am Mike Pulaski for Bear Insider and the Ultimate Insider Podcast. Go Bears.